This is Jim Martin, and this is my encouragement note number 58. Well, I hope this encouragement note is a positive addition to your week. I'd love to hear from you regarding what is encouraging and helpful. You can write me at jmartin9669 at gmail.com. The list of five, number one. What am I like to be with? Suppose you were to stand on a balcony overlooking a small living room. In the room are six people in conversation. One chair in the room is off to the side and empty. From a distance, you watch yourself enter the room and pull up the empty chair to join the group. You sit down and moments later, you are a part of the conversation. What if you were given the precious gift of seeing how you actually interact with others? Maybe you begin to sense anxiety in this conversation. From the balcony, you can see how you react as you experience this anxiety. I think about my own response to anxiety. There have been times when my voice got louder and more agitated as I responded to others. At times, I basically shut down as the anxiety increased. On other occasions, my tone became curt and abrupt. You and I interact with various groups, our marriages, our children, our interaction with people at work. At times, we interact with groups at church. So here are three helpful questions. Number one, how do I manage myself? Do I bring more anxiety to some conversations or do I tend to be a non-anxious presence, even a calming presence with others? Second, am I self-aware enough to see how my functioning actually impacts others? Third, does my tone tend to have a calming effect? Or do I sometimes escalate a situation even more? Next, when you need to hear something good. One of the best things you and I can do daily is to acknowledge something good. Yes, you see problems, but you also look for and acknowledge the good things. If we are not careful, you and I could totally focus on what is wrong. My spouse, his sickness, her depression, his or her financial mistake, my kids, the energy it takes to raise them, my church, the frustration with some of these people, my job, I'm being underpaid for what I'm doing. When we lived in Waco, Texas, I would regularly go to work lunch with my friend, Jay. And typically, over a plate of Mexican food, we talked about our lives, our work, and our children. And my friend is an astute businessman who doesn't ignore or minimize problems. Yet, he would regularly finish his remarks with, but the good news is, 
And the good news may be that the company is projected to have an outstanding fourth quarter. Or the good news may be that a new employee starts on Monday. Or the good news may be that we are about to go on vacation. My friend clearly acknowledged the good news in most any situation. What if we talked about the good news today? For example, this is wonderful coffee. What a great sandwich. I love the extra bacon. I love the way our church places so much emphasis on children. You did such a great job of making that presentation. Thank you for your effort. I love the care this company puts into the outside appearance of the building. The plants are so attractive. You did a great job with the sermon. It must be challenging to preach every week. You do this well. This was a great meeting. Thank you for leading us so well. So finally, as my children begin their day, what if I were intentional about saying something good? Next, as my spouse begins his or her day, what could I say that would be life-giving? Next, when you wait for life to begin tomorrow. Some people are going to get a lot done tomorrow. You may know someone like this. This person has good intentions, yet the focus seems to be on tomorrow. Someday I need to clean out the garage. Sooner or later, I will have to talk with our son about his behavior. Tomorrow, I will think about apologizing. Tomorrow, someday, sooner or later, maybe we're waiting for the perfect conditions. Maybe we think that we'll eventually get around to doing what we need to do. So today, what do I need to say or do? Maybe I need to apologize. Perhaps I need to tell a longtime friend how much he or she means to me. Maybe I need to send a text encouraging someone who's been on my mind. I may need to check in with one of my adult children to make sure she is okay. What do you need to do today? Now I ask, I ask myself this question regularly. I love this paragraph from Maria Popova's writing. Quote, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Annie Dillard wrote in her timeless meditation on living with presence. Lay hold of today's task and you will not need to depend so much upon tomorrow's. Seneca exhorted two millennia earlier as he offered the stoic balance sheet for time spent, saved, and wasted, reminding us that nothing is ours except time. Next, what I want to remember from a valuable relationship 
And this particular paragraph is especially for ministers and church leaders, but it could actually be helpful to most anyone. I've been thinking a lot this week about my friend, longtime minister and author, Lynn Anderson. For me, as well as for many others, he was a significant mentor and encourager. I learned much from him about ministry, marriage, and becoming a godly person. What I remember. I remember, one, his love for the Psalms. When he quoted or read the Psalms, I felt as if I was hearing something intimate between himself and God. Second, his willingness to name the emotion he saw in me and even ask about it. He was also a man who expressed the emotion he felt, whether utter joy or tears. Third, his deep devotion to his wife, Carolyn, and his children and grandchildren. He often told stories about all of these people, revealing his deep affection for them. Four, his affection for other people he loved. So often in conversation with him, he had a way of making me, and so many others, feel significant. As one person put it, he made everyone feel like they were his favorite. He made you feel as if you really mattered. Note the following from the Christian Chronicle. Don McLaughlin, minister for the North Atlanta Church of Christ in Georgia, wrote, Perhaps my favorite memory is the way he just wanted to know us. He didn't want to test us, put us in our place, get get us to like him, think like him, or be like him. He trusted Jesus for all of that. He just made you feel like you really mattered. And I will always remember him for making me feel like that someone like him thought I was worth getting to know. Number five, his willingness to speak to difficult issues in another's life. I remember a moment after lunch at the Pepperdine Lectures when he encouraged me as a young husband to step up and be the husband I needed to be. And I was so thankful for his clear but tender words as he spoke to me like a gentle father. Number six, his genuine love and affection for God. It was so obvious in conversation and when hearing him preach. Seven, his compassion. I remember a phone conversation with both him and Carolyn when our, talking about Charlotte and myself, hearts were broken over some sad news in our family. We both knew exactly whom we wanted to talk with. He not only listened well, but could deeply feel the emotion that we felt. Eight, his captivating stories. He told stories about men and women who did something he admired. This could have been someone from long ago, a person he met in a church somewhere, one of his grandchildren, or an elder serving a church where he had just preached. So often these stories recognize something heroic or admirable in someone else. Nine, his investment in so many people. He invested in many people. I was just one of these. Years ago, I was in several of his mentoring groups. 
And then when I began to lead these groups, he communicated his confidence and his pleasure that I was doing this. At the same time, he continued to pour into me something that caused me to desire to grow and mature more. Number 10, his willingness to simply pay attention to others. He paid attention to others who may have otherwise been overlooked. I love these words from Oklahoma minister Mitch Wilburn. Quote, Lynn was a great, great preacher, but he may have been an even better with people. He had the ability in a crowded room to slow down, stop, and make you feel like you were the only one in the room, just like Jesus. Next are reading and listening resources, which you might enjoy. I hope in some way this has been encouraging and helpful to you this week. Hope you have a great week.